All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 107 of The Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Mots, episode 107. It's a mailbag episode, but we got a lot to talk about. I'll be heading south in the next couple days here for a big Exposure Cup tournament. Uh, happy to be going down to Fort Lauderdale to catch up with uh, with my brother and his family and also some uh, some really good hockey, so looking forward to it. Well, that's great. You get out of the uh, the cold northeast weather and get down to sunny FLA. You know, coach up the boys to uh, hopefully a, a championship and take in some uh, all-star festivities, and that's great. I'm I'm kind of bummed I can't make it, but uh, you never know. Yeah, no, you, you never you know. never count mozzarella sticks out. No, there could be a spirit flight in your future or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, just you know, hop in the the vehicle and go. I told Courtney, I'm like, why don't you just drive to uh, Florida in March when you go down? She's like, yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, no, looking forward to it. And obviously it's nice when you look at the the seven-day forecast and it says like a wind chill of minus 20 here in Boston. And then you look at Fort Lauderdale and it's 80 degrees and sunny. So that's a uh, that's always a bonus. You're going to go tops off at the pool? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I have to. <laughs> I have to. I mean, it's not a pretty sight right now, but I'll do it. I'll do it. I got to, you know, if you can't tone it, tan it. Right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sand fat looks way better. Yeah. Way, way better. So no, it's uh it'll be good. Obviously, how was the uh the weekend? You guys have a bunch of games? Uh so Ryan played, you know, pretty much a rival, uh St. Sebastian's, and it was a really good game. They came up on the losing end, but it was really cool to see, you know, that rivalry still there. It just they truly dislike one another when they're on the ice. You know, they love that. Yeah. I grew up playing with and against, you know, uh, you know, the bulk of them. And, you know, you just see there's a little extra jam, a little extra, you know, physicality. And it was a, it was a good hockey game. And uh, so that was Friday. Uh, there was nothing Saturday, a couple games for Brooke on Sunday. Uh, and I sandwiched in a, um, an alumni game as well. So it was a busy uh, Sunday, but uh, the girls played unbelievable in like a state playing game. Nice. So yeah, it was really cool to see there. Um, we tried to implement, you know, the push the pace, the weak side winger going through the the uh, the defenseman on the uh, zone exit with a little chip, and uh, you know the girls are starting to get it and executed it a few times and led to a couple chances. And um, it's fun to see that. That's like pretty rewarding when you you know kind of introducing a concept and they start getting it. But um, yeah, so they played really well in that game. And I did the alumni game with uh, you know a former guest Josh Hennessy, who's number one star. Oh, yeah! And big shout out to to Hennessy and one of the most handsome guys there. Yeah, I can still dance, and he was playing with a couple good guys, Joey Mullen being one of them. So they just moved the puck, and uh, we had a really good time. Played against Ryan Cox, one of our boys. Nice, Coxy. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, and then back to uh, play the BU Terriers to a two-two tie later on Sunday night. So it was a busy Sunday, but a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of good stuff. Yeah, and uh, tough weekend for the Eagles, though, the uh, in, in the Hockey East matchup. BU took it to them, huh? Yeah, just watching those uh, games, you know, doing a game, it was a, you know, kind of an interesting, you know, Jay Pandolfo, you know, former guest, had has those guys playing well. You know, it's, yeah. um, you know, they match up, you know, pretty evenly with uh, some of the skill, but uh, Pando has them playing pretty well. Camesso was a difference maker in, um, in the games. He's a, he's a top-end goaltender, and, 
um, yeah, and th- those games, though, you know, you can throw the records out the uh, the window when when they play. But uh, BU definitely had the edge uh, in pace and and execution. So we'll see the bean pots coming up, and we'll uh, we'll we'll have to maybe do a little uh, rendezvous at that that tourney as well. Absolutely, yeah. No, they uh, obviously I watched a little bit of those games in BU. They're playing well. That kid Hudson on the back end is uh he's something special. He's he's a good player, fun, fun player to watch if you're a young kid and uh you know, BU's on a on a Friday or Saturday night, definitely check him out or at the bean pot. He's a uh a talented player, one of those, you know, dynamic uh puck moving defensemen that can really really boogie. Obviously he was at the World Juniors and was really good as well. So it was it was fun to watch. Yeah, same thing here, kind of a busy weekend. Brian, uh our oldest was on the road. So he, uh, you know, night in a hotel with the Cushing team. I think they were at, like the Comfort Inn and Lee Mass or something. They went out and played Eagle Brook and then Salisbury. So uh, fun little road trip for those guys. But we weren't able to make that. And uh, and then you know Liam and Colin had a couple games and which were you know it was a lot of fun and the same type of stuff. Uh, we actually Marty Reasoner was in town. We had a little scrimmage with the his team, the Long Island Gulls, on Sunday morning. So it was fun to catch up with him. And he obviously was asking about you. And good con- good uh, competitive game with with those guys. And we'll be seeing them a lot in the future. They are uh, you know a team that's improved a ton uh, throughout the year from you know the beginning of September till till. Till now, you can see that obviously he's coaching those guys up, and it's good group. Yeah, he's a great guy. You know, as as far as you know, a hockey mind, and those kids are in in good uh, hands with him as a coach. And going back to Hudson, my brother played with his uh, his dad, Rob. No uh, kidding, Illinois, Chicago. He's a good uh, crafty forward, could really pound the puck. But, but watching uh, his son's game is is really impressive. And they were comparing him to like you know like how say dynamic he can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like a Makar or whatever, but it's not Makar. It's more Adam Fox. In my Fox, opinion. yeah, yeah. Just like yep. a lot of deception, r- very intelligent with the puck. You know, uses his head head to, to defend. And um, yeah, he, as you know, young players coming up, you can watch and learn a lot from you know, a player like him. He's he's not overly big, just like Fox, and has a good stick and can manipulate four checks. You know, through deception, and um, he's he is fun to watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. I uh, I did take a couple of observations at the rinks, and I'm going to call these BY's do's and don'ts for the for the new hockey parent. Uh, if you you know you can pass this message along, and maybe we can post it on Instagram or whatever. But if you're a new hockey parent, I got a couple rules of of thumb when your kid starts learn to skate. You know that that learn to play, learn to skate. So the number one rule is stay off the bench, right? When there is learn to skate going on. Go in the stands, go in the crowd, wherever it may be, but do not be that parent that's on the bench. The kid is just going to be looking for you. He's going to come over, you know, because his feet are cold or whatever. It's like out of sight, out of mind. So that's my number one rule. And the second rule, and this is more so when they get a little bit older and now they're kind of in full equipment. So this is probably that next transition from learn to skate to learn to play hockey type thing or cross ice. But one thing that drives me absolutely bananas is a kid in full equipment, but he's got a hoodie on. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude, that's great. Like, <laughs> I understand you might think that that little Johnny might get cold out there, but he's gonna warm up. He's gonna skate. He'll be fine. Throw a long sleeve on, you know, whatever pants, uh, long sleeve shirt. But the hoodie look under the equipment with the shoulder pads is awful. I get it. 
learn to skate. He's cold. Maybe he's got a jacket out and stuff. But once he starts wearing gear, you can't be wearing a hoodie out there. That's just learn to skate, learn to play foul, like yeah, technical foul. Yeah, those are rules to live by. You know? Yeah, very absolutely. Simple. Yeah, put a stamp on it. Put a stamp on it. Yeah, being on the bench, you're a distraction, and and the hoodie, you're just gonna get ridiculed. As, as, <laughs> I mean, you, you think it's, you know, you know, one of these things that yeah, we're just keeping them warm or whatever. But I just remember playing against a couple kids when I was really young, and I'm like, what? Look at this loser. Yeah, it's awful look, awful yeah. look. Uh, th- those are good. You know, those are do's and don'ts, and you know. Yeah, just a couple things for the new, you know, the newbies. Like there's there's some hockey parents out there that maybe they're new to the game and it's just they're like, oh, you know, he may be cold out there. Like, no, he'll be fine. You know what I mean? Throw some long sleeves on him. You know, the the old school, remember the old school zip ups that we used to wear back in the day? Uh the onesie. The onesie. Something like that. You know, get his uh whatever. Keep him in his pajamas. Like he'll he'll be he or she will be fine, but get rid of the hoodie. Yeah. Get rid of the hoodie. Uh, Speaking of hoodies, this hockey season, go visit our guys at TSR Hockey and Tax-Free Salem, New Hampshire, where you can stock up on all your equipment needs for the remainder of the season. TSR stocks team and apparel, CCM, Bowie, you name it. They do everything in-house, embroidering, printing. Uh, You can reach the team store at 603-912-5970. Do not ask for a hoodie to wear under your kids' equipment. We just established that. Uh, but as for Mike or Dave, they'll they they they'll tell you. They'll tell you the same thing. They'll take good care of you. Uh, TSR Hockey is New England's premier hockey store and a proud sponsor of the Rink Shrinks, one of the originals, uh, the OGs. Visit TSRHockey.com for all your shopping needs and tell them the Rink Shrinks sent you. Yeah, they're great guys up there. Take care of Whatever you need, they have some of the best supply and some of the best um, equipment in stock. So make sure you check them out at tsrhockey.com. Uh, Mots, I know we want we we touched on some of these numbers last week. I also, you know, real quick while we're talking a little bit about uh, college hockey, but it was pretty cool to see Matt Grizzlick and uh, and his dad both inducted to the Beanpot Hall of Fame. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, no, it's so was, great. You know, it was his dad. awesome. Has uh, put in so many years at the garden, you know, uh, new and old. Um, you know, just a great fifty-five kind of, years. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And, uh, and and Matt had some great games in the bean pot. Um, some good statistics. So to go yeah, in together, the MV, MVP two thousand fifteen, right? Yep. And yeah. I uh, I just think that's really special. That's something they'll they'll never forget. And uh, I'm really happy that. Um, you know, the, the committee did that for them. And, um, you know, it's just kind of neat because, you know, we know both of them and, you know, great people, great family. So uh, really happy for them. Yeah, no, it's great stuff. Uh, we did talk about, you know, last week, uh, some different numbers and ages and kids going to college and people were kind of blown away by those stats, but they're, they're, they're legit. Uh, I know, you know, Bucci, John Buchagrass, who we got to get on the show, but he he you know loves shouting out his college hockey stats, and obviously he was on the bench with you in the uh, the hold the line game. Uh, you guys you know got a W in that one, but he uh, you had some stats from that, or, or I, I know I have a couple as well. Well, just as from um, you know college hockey men's like the players and the states that you know um, where the Division One players are coming from. Mm-hmm. So on the men's side, uh, he tweeted this out. And it was that Minnesota led the uh, the way with 219, Michigan with 162, Massachusetts 130, New York 96, and Illinois 53. 
So it just kind of, you know, adds to some of that data that we we put out there. And I just thought it was very interesting. And, you know, just to have that kind of in one place. And uh, Glenn, um, you know, Heffernan did a great job at kind of breaking it down. And he went on to, like, do a, an even deeper dive. And we can yeah, put that did. out there as well. But just to see it, you know, all in one place, the, uh, the runway that we talked about, you know, the development curve, you know, it, it goes in phases a bit, but when you get to a certain level or an age where you think that, you know, hey, this is where, you know, you're supposed to be going to college, there's still four years left. And it's for those kids who kind of need that extra, you know, time to develop from 17 to 21, that's a real big difference. So I'm really glad that, you know, he put all that together and we can, you know, share it because it does help motivate some kids to stay the course and know that there is um, an opportunity down the road. Right. Yeah. Also, to uh, Minnesota, like you said, twelve percent of all Division One players, and then also, um, I think it's twenty-one percent uh, of the women's players. So, a lot of Minnesota, you know, boys and girls playing Division One hockey, which is pretty cool. But yeah, like you said, uh, pretty interesting stats, and it's interesting. I, I saw somebody, you know, reply like that. Chicago, do they have a Division One team at this point? No, they don't. My brother actually played there, but when it was in the CCHA at University of Illinois, Chicago with yep. uh, Rob Hudson. Right, right, right. And um, the program folded, I want to believe, I believe it was 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, players dispersed amongst other, they, they didn't have to sit out a year or whatever they could go to, you know, whatever school um, wanted them. But uh, that, I always think that that's like such a great hotspot for a D1 college and, you know, downtown Chicago is, they had a great building. Um, yeah. You know, just things didn't work out at the uh, university level. You know, they had to kind of allocate their funds elsewhere, but um, yeah, that that's, I'm sure that's a place that um, Chicago needs a D1 school to like really support that youth development in that program those programs in the area it's uh yeah especially with all the right all the all the talent that's coming out of um you know chicago these days it it definitely makes uh makes total sense to me i know you uh we're we're on the college theme here but aj greer former bu terrier he had some interesting quotes you wanted to talk about yeah uh before we get to that though you know we got a um a message um oh did we yeah wanting to uh ask about the women's side of things as well for the, the D1, where, where women's uh, D1 um, players are coming from. And, you know, Butchie also had that on his, uh, you know, on Twitter. So Minnesota, again, led the way with 222. Massachusetts right behind 106. Uh, New York, 59. Michigan, 44. And Illinois, 40 uh, players at the D1 level. And that's, you know, you just, it's kind of interesting to see. There's, yeah you know, those traditional hockey markets. And we talk about, you know, those different areas that are being drawn from um, throughout U.S. and and Europe and college hockey. But some of those main kind of hockey hotbeds are still producing a lot of D1 players. Yeah, there's still a lot, which is which is good and encouraging. But there's also a lot of competition out there in all these different states. You know what I mean? You look at the the influence that all these, you know, it started with Gretzky, right, in, in California. But you're seeing kids from... California, Florida, um, Texas, uh, the St. Louis area, like all these different places where, you know, the NHLs came and a lot of those guys have stayed and given back to. And it's um, really, really, you know, good to see 
you know, again, to the, the traditional markets still producing, but also kids coming from all over the, the, the country, all over the world, right? That's right. Yeah, no, it's a, it, it makes it a little bit more competitive, but, you know, I st- still stay the course and following up on that data, there's still plenty of runway when you get to 17 years old to right. still have an impact uh, to be able to play college hockey, which is which is pretty encouraging in my opinion. Yeah, no, it is. And it's good to see other markets start to get division one programs and maybe Chicago could be somewhere that is, is next. Right. But you see, obviously, Arizona State and different places like that. So they're adding division one programs throughout the country, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Obviously, even Stonehill locally. Right. They're making the, the transition to division one hockey. So it's uh, it's good to, to you know keep more and more kids playing. Yeah, and uh, getting back to what you started mentioning about AJ Greer, I was watching, uh, you know, the Bruins telecast, and then it was on um, Instagram. But it was just a really candid, uh, you know, in between interview, uh, in, in between periods interview where, you know, he's from Quebec. It was like, yeah, you know, just a really emotional kind of, you know, just like really bearing his his you know emotions and and talking about how important it was to step on that uh, ice against mm-hmm. the Canadians. You know he's playing for the Boston Bruins, but um, he's talking about you know emptying his bank account to go to a uh, NHL game and how much it matters to him and to be on that ice and then to to play for the Boston Bruins and how important the culture is there and how you know strong it is and. You know, thanking the fans, and it was just a really cool interview. So if you get a chance, uh, you, you know, check it out. AJ Green. It's I sent it to my son, and I was like, you know, this is a guy that you can root for because, you know, he kind of gets it, and right. you know, he's very appreciative, and he works hard, he plays hard. You know, played yeah. a couple of years at BU, bounced around a bunch, and kind of found his niche here uh, with the Bruins this year on a great team. Yeah, no, he's uh, like you said, likable guy. Played, you know, was a high pick with Colorado early in the second round, and a couple of years at BU where he was a big, strong power forward, and you know, got a, a little bit of a chance with Colorado, but not a big one, and you know, bounced around between Colorado and Jersey, and um, you know, now finding a nice little niche in that you know third, fourth line role with the Bruins, and obviously that that culture I think is is probably helping him quite a bit. So it's. Uh, Really good to to watch, and I'll have to check that out because I, I I didn't see it yet. But what do you say? Time to dip into the old mailbag or what? Yeah, let's dip in. All right, I'll take the first one here. Guys, love the show. I have a situation where I could use some help. I have a squirt major double A player that can get frustrated during games and practice. He's our top player, but has unrealistic expectations for himself. He expects perfection perfection every time he steps on the ice. Um, my wife and I uh, have tried to help him work through this. It's gotten better, but hasn't gone away. All we want for him is to try hard, have fun, and be a good teammate, which he does. We tell him mistakes will happen, and that's okay. He's not perfect and learn from them to improve. His coaches are consistent with the same message. I'm an assistant coach on the staff. Uh, hockey's his passion, and he pushes himself to be the best every time he steps on the ice. And any mistake, he feels like he let, is letting his team down. His competitiveness is great to see but sometimes it pushes him over the edge he can get frustrated with himself and he take and it takes away from his play on the ice and making the game less fun for him i want to help him address this early so he can find that balance of being competitive and pushing himself but still keep his head in the game so he is having fun and being an effective player do you have any experience coaching or playing with a player like this and any tips on how to manage his expectations in our game frustrations 
I had him listen to clips from your Ray Bork inter- interview um, on expectation and management and was hoping you had some additional advice. Keep up the great work. The shows are outstanding, exactly what our sport needs. Thanks, hockey dad and coach. Well, great, uh, great stuff here. I, I think um, you, that's something you can't teach, though, like that passion and that level of, say, you know, expectation internally. So, mm-hmm. yes, even though it may be a negative at times, um, you don't want to pull that away. You just still have to manage it. So I think coaches – and, you know, parents, you know, you uh, being a coach and a parent still need to be a little bit patient and still stay, stay the course on the message. But, uh, yeah, personally, I, I dealt with it um, a bunch. Like my son was very similar, you know, like, and it's tough as a dad to, you know, see like a reactionary thing to something negative, you know. So, you know, you get beat, you know, you, you don't execute a tape to tape pass like you're saying. Um I think you can flip the script a little bit and just keep encouraging that drive that he has. So you mm-hmm. want to keep feeding that, but also letting him know that you have, um, you know, that's a game of mistakes and things are going to happen. And I think that comes with maturity and age where that will get weeded out. And it has for my son, but I just feel that you don't want to pull it away too much or try to, stifle that that little fire that he has to be the best you know it's a fine line to be a perfectionist but if he's striving to be perfect in everything he's doing he's going to get better right for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No, I think that's a, you know, great answer, Mots. I also think, like you said, it's it, very important for him to have that competitive fire. You can't teach it, but, you know, continue to talk to him that hockey is a game of mistakes, right? Everybody makes them no matter what level, no matter what player, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to make mistakes out there. So you just have to continue those conversations. And then maybe, you know, when you get back to the bench, talk to them. And maybe there's something that like, you know, body language is so important. We talk a lot about it, but maybe there's something that, that, that he can do when he gets back to the bench, right? Whether it's just like, you know, whatever, take a, a throw, squirt some water on his face when he gets frustrated or, or something like that. And that's mm-hmm. like, Hey, once you squirt that water on your face, like forget it's about over. it. You know yep. what I mean? It's over. Uh, so maybe, you know, and again, I'm not saying that that's it. Like I've seen different guys, you know, whatever, tap their stick against the boards. Like you could come up with something kind of on your own. I, I, I've never really had to deal with it. And, um, you know, just more the kids and I've definitely coached a ton of kids that, you know, body language, like they get frustrated, they get down and, you know, you just got to pick them up and, and keep talking to them, which I think you guys are doing, which is really good, but maybe come up with something like, like I said, you sit on the bench, maybe it's a quick blast of water in the face and all right, forget about it. Like let's turn the page and go out. Don't dwell on your mis- mistakes or, or imperfections because it, it really is. It's not a perfect game. Um, it's a game that mistakes are going to be made over and over again. No, that's good stuff. And it's like, a, that's a real situation. And I'm sure that there's, there's plenty of people out there listening that are in the same position. So appreciate the, uh, the question and hopefully, uh, 
give you a, little, a couple ideas at least, but um, you know, you're not out there alone. And, you know, I, I think you still encourage him to be, you know, as intense and as, um, you know, he wants that. He wants to be the best. And, and like, that's, that's something that we could try to like kind of encourage instead of try to pull back. Right. Absolutely. Um, speaking of the best, head over to SparksHockey.com. Use the code BYMOTS for $50 off your Sparks shop. And have $50 uh, obviously goes a long way. Sparks is the at-home skate shopping machine that will never fail. Sparks is the gift that keeps on giving for hockey players and parents. It's convenient, easy to use, and will save you money in the long run. With Sparks, you can get an accurate shopping every single game. Again, SparksHockey.com and order your machine today. Mots, I'm heading away like we talked about. You know what's getting loaded in the bag. Right? That a boy. Sneak, I got to sneak it in. I got to get it down to FLA because I can't trust some scrub from from down south uh, <laughs> to to be shopping in my kids' wheels. You know what I mean. So I'm bringing the Sparks. It's it's easy to transport, easy to get to and from, in and out of the airport. You name it. I throw it in the bag, and we are good to go. Yeah, you can you can throw out a, a few of the uh, extra clothes that you're gonna possibly bring down so you stay on yeah, the Joanna's got to cut back on the shoes she's got to bring you know there you go so yeah. I can fit the Sparks in there I mean that's that's a big part of being a team Joanna making some cuts on the shoes <laughs> exactly it's Florida all you need is some flip-flops you'll be good yeah my, my daughter actually grabbed um, one of her teammates uh, wheels and, and did them up herself so nice you know and again this is like just a side thing maybe you could you know, side hustle order, yeah we'll order a Sparks machine and and uh you know charge some of your teammates you know hey if they don't want to you know get the Sparks machine themselves and you can help them out but also make a couple bucks a little side yeah. hustle a little side hustle never hurt uh <laughs> all right mods we got a u7 dilemma you want to take this one yep hey guys I have a question situation to get your opinion on i am an assistant coach at u7 house league Team and we have six teams in our division. We practice on Saturdays and play games on Sundays. We normally get 14 to 16 kids out to our practice and games, and we have been splitting the ice on Sundays, Olympic-sized ice to boot, and playing the stronger kids in one game. Two-minute buzzer goes off and they change. Um, and the weaker, younger kids, you know, seven, six, and five-year-olds, some are still four on the other half. The situation happened recently where other teams are complaining they don't have enough kids to show up to split the teams up in half, even if we do three on three. And they didn't want to do one big game. Hockey Canada has an outline where they play four on four and half ice, and my head coach and I have found splitting the uh, splitting of teams much better because the stronger kids play against each other and the younger, weaker ones get more confidence and touch the puck more. But we ha- now have the coaches meeting, and we lost the vote five to one and we'll now be doing one big game with all the players instead of two games. Just wondering your thoughts on how to approach things. We also make fun games out of things on our practices on Saturdays, and they uh, skate quite a bit on those days, and they've been improving so much. My son just turned five and actually enjoys going now, and I'm, I'm worried he's not going that he's going to get discouraged playing with the older kids as well as other ones. We have an issue with wasted time, and the cost is over $200 an hour in our area. The younger kids will lose confidence. The older kids are going to be able to be coached the way they should be. Thanks. This is from Dave and love the pod. 
Uh, that's interesting stuff. I mean, the only way you can kind of navigate it, I guess, a little bit is trying to match up the kids. If you continue the two minute buzzer hockey, even if it is full ice, um, you know, you can kind of set the matchups with the, you know, like Dave mentions his son being five years old and, um, you know, so play against those type of the, the, the kids around his age and skill level. Um, it is quite the the dilemma, right? Because it's the, the, there's no perfect scenario for this if kids aren't showing up and, and everything. I don't know, Mots. What do you think? I mean, when it goes to the vote and it's 5-1, that's pretty convincing, I guess. Yeah. But I don't think it's the right decision. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. The, you know, the, the way you've been kind of organizing it makes it a little bit more controllable you know, to get those matchups that you want for, uh, you know, age and skill appropriate. Um, when you get into that, like what you, you know, kind of mentioned BY is it takes a lot more kind of like evaluating and trying to put kids where they need to be. That's the only thing that I could think of as well. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's not going to match up perfectly, you know, as, right. as we all know. Um, but I mean, is there a way that they could do, like, if some of those other kids aren't showing up, could you still continue two games? And even if you went two-on-two cross-ice at one end or something like that, uh, just to just to make it work. Like, if this model that they originally had started is working well, mm-hmm. like, why mess with the mojo? I know it can get a little bit frustrating for, for kids, but Hey, like if they're down some players, like double shift guys, you know what I mean? Like let guys play a little extra. They can stay out there for four minutes in a row at that age. They, they kids love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is another way to go about it. I mean, I don't know, um, you know, the coaches, you know, I don't know how many are on each side. So there's six coaches total Mm -hmm. five to one. I don't know. It just seems a little more, that everyone wants to do it. So see how it goes. Um, we wish you the best though, but I would say try to match up with those with if you're doing the buzzer still, which you should be, just because you, you know, it's a little bit more organized and the kids can, you know, skate for two, get off, and then you can maybe mix and mash, maybe double shift a kid if if it's a weaker side and he can t- get some touches. Right. Um, you know, so just seems like a little bit more logistically of a nightmare to be doing the full you know, sheet with that varying of skill sets and ages. Talk about, you know, one kid being able to take it on the Olympic sheet. Jeez. I know. (laughs) Plenty of open space, huh? Yeah. It's the same game inside the dots though. Keep stressing that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, good luck with that situation. Obviously it's, you know, keep us posted on how it's going and maybe they'll, you know, again, I think like we said, if, if they do, you know, the votes five to one, they're going to go to the full ice kind of model uh, you know, try to just manipulate some lines and, and, and keep the matchups the best way you can um, so that they're evenly matched and it's good competition so that your five-year-old's not going out against a seven-year-old that's a, you know, so-called stud, right? Yeah. No, I mean, we, we yeah, we kind of beat it up a little bit, but I guess you got to deal with what the vote was and, you know, best of luck with it and make sure you check in. Thanks for uh, tuning in, Dave. All right, uh, I'll try and keep this short so I'm not the reason you guys get a, get a Hooked on Phonics sponsorship. Hey, Hooked on Phonics, they want to kick in some dough. We're, we're all in, trust me. Uh, 
In episode 103, a question was posed regarding the jump from house league to travel teams, and you guys said the sooner the better. And in an early episode a month or so ago, someone had asked about their younger playing, playing up a level to get better competition in their house league, and you guys thought it would be appropriate depending on the player slash league. We have a pretty good house program, four teams um, for most ages, and most Ages have double A and single A travel teams, but they do travel two plus hours for 75% of the time. Uh, So my house league 8U player is at the point where half ice games are very easy for him. He often skates up with the house 10Us for their practices and can keep up with the better 10U players. He'll make the jump up to squirts next year, but because of his birth year. But I'm having a hard time with the commitment to make. I thought I, I thought he had the hooked on phonics line. I mean, this is pretty long. Uh, <laughs> but I'm having a hard time with the commitment to make the jump to travel just yet. Trying to keep him in his and in as many activities as possible, which wouldn't be possible if three or four weekends are spent away from home in a hotel hotel room. So is it appropriate to keep pushing him to higher ages as long as he can keep up and then maybe making the jump to travel closer to the 12U age, maybe playing a year of 10U, then making the jump to 12U while staying in the house program, playing with ki- with the kids he knows. Is there such a thing as making the jump to travel too late? Thanks, guys. And that's from Alex. Yeah, there's you know kind of a lot going on there. I, I mean, from house league, so that's just like the town levels, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what, yep. um, you know, just to clarify if, some people don't know, but um, I mean, if he's doing a really good job at his age group and he's able to get exposure to that, you know, U10 practice, I mean, he's getting something out of that, right? On the house side, the travel, I, I mean, it's, it sounds like, you know, it's, um, you know, an area where it's, there's not a lot of teams if you're traveling that much or, you know, you're in the Midwest or, you know, there's, there's different uh, leagues out there that travel quite a bit, but I just think it's not too late. It's never too late as long as he's getting the, you know, he's getting pushed number one. So if he continues to play at his age group and dominates and then gets, you know, can maybe get some games or just practice with the older kids, I think that's very valuable, you know, so you're getting uh, a level, you know, age appropriate, you know, he's separating himself from those guys, still getting pushed. And then, you know, when you make that decision, it's not just for him. It's really for the family and the quality of life. So you mentioned about being away on weekends and spending, you know, times in, you know, hotels. But um, the, the the U-12 age isn't too late, in my opinion, to make the switch. And it's, um, you know, again, it's personal preference according to the commitment that needs to be done. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, we were talking about it and we've talked about it in the past, like if you can make the move and 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 get in with the travel program. But if it's logistically a nightmare and you're you're away three or four weekends a year and your kid plays some other sports and things like that. So, it, you know, I, I think, Mots, like you said, it's important to you know, keep challenging him. So if he's, he's 10 and he can play a year of that and then maybe jump up to the 12 U age and, and continue to progress and play against bigger and stronger kids. Like it's not going to severely impact him or hurt him. A lot of times too, the, the problem that I've found uh, is a lot of these teams do get established. Right. And it's, it's very difficult to make moves and cut kids. Um, 
And, you know, so the sooner you can kind of get in with a program, sometimes, you know, it's, it's more difficult to, to get out of the program. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's like of, an unfortunate, you know, yeah, byproduct it, of, of some of these teams, but and it's again, real if, though. It is real. real. You no, know what I mean? Like right. if you have a kid in, in, you know, and, and I'm guilty of it too, right. Of, of, of kind of always like, if I have a kid that I've had and I've had, you know, I've coached for a couple of years and it's basically comparing like an apple to an apple on the ice, who are you going to go with? Like, I'm going to yeah. go with the family that has been with me and been with the program and, and played on my team for the last three or four years. You know what I mean? So there's, there's a lot of those different things to, to kind of think about. And like you said, there's a lot going on in this question. Um, including the hooked, hooked on phonics. So, but the, 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 you know, so again, continue to challenge, continue to progress them and, 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 you know, playing against good competition, but just be aware, right. You may go to try out at the 12 U team. And now it's like, Hey, we're ready to make the move. We're ready to make the jump. And then it's like, Oh, we don't have any room left on this team. You know, but I have seen cases where some kids have waited longer than, you know, most and, they're very good hockey players and they, they could, they could be slotted into any one of those travel teams. So Mm -hmm. it's really a case by case situation. And, you know, going back to the family situation as well, like, you know, how logistically is it going to be, you know, affecting mom and dad trying to get them, you know, two hours away to a game or whatever practice. So, um, you know, it it is, there's a lot of uh, decisions to be made, but, you know, like you said, and, you know, like I mentioned before, it's like, if he's getting, you know, age appropriate and then getting challenged. Uh, I don't think you have to jump right away. There you go. Um, Franklin Sports is the official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Check out their online store at franklinsports.com where you can get a f- uh, official NHL street hockey games, training equipment, you name it. They got it all there. Uh, again, franklinsports.com. Visit the site today and stock up on all of that NHL type gear. All right. I got the next one. Um, this is, this is a nice one. <laughs> I know, dude. Unbelievable. My six-year-old, uh, oh, quote, easier unquote, said than done, huh? No, no. Quote, unquote, sympathy falls. If a nearby player falls, what do I do? <laughs> dude, I love it. <laughs> oh, man. The sympathy fall. I mean, the sympathy fall, but, but he cares. He's a nice kid. You know, so you're doing a good job somewhere, you know, you know, raising a, a nice kid. But no, you can't. The sympathy fall. I, I mean, I, I'm answering the question. I'm just like, you know, I'm sure it frustrates the heck out of you. But, um, you know, you just have to tell them that's not hockey. Right. Or or her. You know, it's like you're, you're doing, uh, you know, buzzing around, trying to make plays and defend. And, you know, six years old, you're really just getting going. But, you know, uh, the sympathy fall is funny. I've actually seen that uh, quite a bit in years. Oh, years with the young kids. I mean, it's something that they definitely grow out of. That would only be my, you know, that would be my advice. I think that that that's something that they'll, uh, you know, he 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 or she's going to realize when they get a little bit older that, oh, just because the person next to me fell down doesn't mean I have to fall down too. So I just keep talking to, um, you know, your child about it. And hopefully they, they grow out of that stage and, uh, and no more sympathy falls. We got to get rid of those. Yeah, no, it just you know you can always just watch an uh, NHL game or a college game or whatever, and just be like, you don't see anyone sympathy falling out there. <laughs> All 
right. So let, let, let's let's move on from that. But um, oh, that's funny. It is funny if it's not your own kid. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, coaching high school age players first year with the team. I didn't appreciate the entitled player syndrome until now. Players have clearly had run of the roost in the past. Then cap. Then the captains came in and told me I've changed too much and that something needs to change. High school age players who don't know how to cycle may never. Uh, may never have heard of the concept. Backchecking too. Some never heard of the term. I don't fault players for not being introduced to these concepts. I do fault them for not being willing to learn new concepts. I explained uh, what it is, why we are doing it, and how it would benefit us. Plus, what I wanted the end result to look like, but little changed. Spent 40 minutes explaining, practicing, demonstrating, correcting, retrying, uh, and retrying cycling. It improved slightly, but not to the extent I would expect. This has become the norm Uh, rather than the exception. I have managed, I have managed change in my professional life many times. I have met, I have met with resistance to change. Also, I have coached problem children, even special needs, autistic, ADHD, etc. with success. On the other hand, I have had players play at the college levels, but this is a different than I have ever experienced. How do you break through the velvet wall of entitlement in high school age kids or any age players? Coach E. Yeah, it's a real problem. I mean, we've, we've seen it from, you know, early on to we're looking at some entitled players at the NHL level. So there's, it's definitely a, uh, a situation that I don't think is going to change anytime quick, but how you deal with it is, you know, what you were doing, you know, you're explaining, practicing, demonstrating, correcting. And ultimately it's on the players to want it. And you have to have patience, which is very difficult to have when these concepts should be at this age should be at least known or, you know, they've been exposed to, and then they want to learn to, to implement them to have a better result on the ice because, you know, those simple basic concepts, you know, like you're saying, like back checking. I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, that's, you know, non But you can't stuff. put the blame mods on like the, I mean, a lot of these kids. So clearly they've gotten really bad coaching growing up, right? Mm-hmm. If they're not able to do these simple things. Um, I mean, if, if, if somebody doesn't know what back checking and I mean, the six year, the six year old sympathy fallen knows what knows what back checking is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's difficult. And that's obviously very difficult as a coach, especially high school age kids to like deal with that. Right. So I feel for coach E, but I mean, my only suggestion, I guess, would be, um, you know, pulling some clips of, of like, whether it's good cycles and games that you guys are doing. Like, I think most kids these days are visual learners. Um I know I sure am. So to be able to see somebody do it, you know, pulling clips of, you know, getting the team together, watching NHL games, stop and start and, you know, try to show a couple different scenarios where, you know, a good back check is, comes into play, right? Okay. There's back checking. Like that's the easiest thing in the, in the universe to, to explain, you know what I mean? So, but pulling some clips and letting the kids see it, maybe that will help. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think patience is the biggest thing, and you've coached a, you know, a number of different 
players from what you're saying, you know, with, with different leveling, you know, levels of um, understanding and ability. So I'm guessing there is some, you know, some of the kids will get it. Um, maybe not, not the majority, but you want to encourage just to keep an encourage, uh, encouraging thing with uh, environment where um, BY, I think that's very important. So if you can, you know, pull some clips, and be able to explain why and how you're doing it with the visual, mm-hmm. um, you know, some kids, it might click. And I just, I know that can be extremely frustrating. So just hang in there because, you know, some of the kids that maybe do get it want to learn and, and understand. And some kids just, that entitlement, they know all the answers, but they actually don't. And try not to bag skate them or fight you stick across the ice if in frustration because uh, we've all we've all been there, but we don't want to. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we don't. We got to take that out of the game. Yeah, because it can be frustrating. Like you said, you spend forty minutes uh, explaining, practicing, demoing, correcting. To, like to, it's like it can I mean, be. It can I, be very very frustrating. Yeah, it happened to me last week. But you know, there. Did you rifle the stick? No, I just demonstrated it again. But <laughs> I go, I go. Listen, girls, like we're wasting time for me to draw this up, right? And then, and then I demonstrate, and the first two girls in line didn't couldn't didn't get it, and I'm just like, well, I don't know. It's just, just some kids are just not paying attention at all. Mm-hmm. But it was a simple drill, but you know, more of a concept with the cycling and, but like a simple drill with back check and be like. I don't care, you know, you between the dots, just skate as hard as you can, like yeah. to the slot and stop. And you could you could do a drill like that. And that's like a bag skate, but you're teaching them how to back check. Right. Um Yeah, no, it's frustrating. And, and like you said, even using the board, like I did it last night. I I I really haven't, you know, my my 2011s are first year peewees and and you know, we had some kind of big tournaments going up. So I'm like, I really haven't shown these guys any type of uh and with the new USA hockey rules and stuff, it, it doesn't commit to play a ton, but I was showing them basically a uh, a penalty kill uh, four check, right? And the first, like, just what what Coach E just said. I show it, explain it. Here's what we're gonna do. You know, first guy's gonna angle, yada yada yada. And like, it was all four guys that jumped out there completely wrong. And I'm like, yeah. but I'm like, all right, you, you know, like you get frustrated, right? And it was just once, and I'm like, okay, guys, stop. Start, like you know like i'm i'm standing behind the net with the puck like you would be and these guys are all over the map i'm like oh boy uh get back to the drawing board you know what i mean so again i but as a coach i had to kind of stop all right this is where you're gonna stand this is what you're gonna do like really had to you know i'm like i guess me showing them on the board didn't work so i gotta figure out my neck you know i gotta adapt and 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 you know actually put these guys like physically all right, stand here, stand here, stand mm-hmm. here, stand here. All four guys, but it, it, it's it's very frustrating. Again, I would suggest some some video just to maybe you know see guys at different levels and related to an NHL game or college game would that 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 may help too. Yeah, and all these kids have Instagram and phones, so like maybe you could pull something on like something on Instagram and put it to a group chat or something like that, so you don't have to you know kind of get everyone together. Uh, and then you can go over it when you, you get to the rank. But, um, you know, just an idea. Yeah. No, it's a good idea. Uh, All right, Mott's my hockey rankings question of the week. Here we go. 
thank you for all that you do for the youth hockey community. Enjoy the conversation and breakdown of ages of incoming D1 freshmen. We can say by experience that it is a long runway. Interested to hear more conversation or opinion on how the process has evolved, especially the last four to five years. I have an uh, O2 aging out of junior this year and isn't a D1 prospect, but has been approached by a number of D3 schools. For reference, playing AAA coming up, two seasons of NEPSAC, one COVID-shortened, and now uh, EHL after a stop in Canada. From a D3 perspective, many coaches at the higher-ranked, solid academic schools tell a similar story of they are waiting on seniors deciding if they will take their extra year of COVID uh, for D1 kids entering the portal to determine if they have a spot. Some of the schools that aren't as academically strong have offered, uh, but at the end of the day, education is more important. Quite a uh, process and a waiting game as he has solid grades and has applied to numerous schools. Some accepted him last year. Seems excessive and crazy for D3 athletics, but uh, it is what it is these days. Again, appreciate your thoughts on the subject. As we know, not every kid gets drafted to the, in the USHL and or has any verbal uh, early commitments. Huge number of kids grinding it out, trying to reach their dreams. Thanks again. No, I think that's such an interesting take because obviously there's only, you know, we went over the stats last week, right? There's there's less than 500 kids that were, were are incoming freshmen this year playing Division One hockey. And there's, a, there's, you know, for damn sure, a lot more kids out there playing hockey. And the Division Three is really, really good hockey. And it goes to show you, like, what it takes to even play at that level. Um, you know, you're talking about some really, really good, you know, potential schools, um, you know, small Ivies type of, you know, Bowden, Williams, Amherst, those type of schools, obviously really good academics and really good hockey as well. And same thing with the the higher end uh, D3 schools, the Norwiches of the world. And, uh, you know, some of those type of schools, I'm not sure who's ranked number one this year, but this it's really, really good hockey. And it uh, it's a long road even for those guys. So, I would think it, it, you know, it, it definitely started changing, you know, kind of right after we went through it mm-hmm. in the, uh, you know, mid 2000s, I would say, um, you know, more and more kids and, you know, the USHL kids, you know, used to be a league where just you, know, you graduated and you went there at, um, you know, 18, 19 years old. Now you're seeing kids younger and younger start to make that that move and then tra- that transition. And uh, it can be very difficult, obviously, for, for kids to make it and get noticed. But, you know, sounds like he's on the right track. Obviously, COVID in this fifth year and transfer portals, uh, that's something that we, you know, I, I never had to deal with. I had, I, I know nothing about, uh, I knew nothing about that type of stuff. It was, uh, you know, that that was all foreign foreign language to me. If, if somebody transferred, they would have had to sit out a year, right, and, and you know, all that stuff. So, it's um you know I would obviously suggest just staying patient with it. It's it's obviously a, a process, but it sounds like you're applying to some schools and in a decent spot, and you know play the way. Unfortunately, you have to kind of play that waiting game for now. Yeah, I, I think that the level. I mean, before let's just say if a player was like kind of on the cusp of D one, it's like oh, I'll play D D three. It's not that easy anymore, right? And you know, you know, my advice here is to just stay the course, uh, you know, stay, you know, on point with the, the academics, something will pop, you know, continue to, to develop on, on the ice, off the ice, just take care of what you can to position yourself the best for when that opportunity comes. Um, very, you know, kind of frustrating to 
play the waiting game when you don't have control over it. But, you know, again, like going back to what you were saying, BY, like the USHL has done a really good job at turning it more into a developmental league, but not every kid can get there and play on those teams because, you know, it is a high, high level league now before it was like a holdover league and, you know, for like a second shot to, or a third right. shot to get a look at a D3 or D1 school. So um, you just have to understand the landscape. You have a very good handle on it. Uh, but I would just say, just be patient as patient as you can be, but don't let it, don't let that patience affect the drive in the um, classroom and on the ice and off the ice to be the best player they can be because once that starts slipping like there could be one opportunity where there's a a coach there taking a look where you know at a school that you may want to go to and you know you just you're like oh you know you know it's getting so late or whatever there's always eyeballs in the in the ring so just stay the course and uh, we wish you the best you know it is that the landscape has completely changed from when i came through but uh, this is what we're up against now and, and it does sound like you have a good handle on it yeah, definitely sounds like. And also, I mean, for any of these kids out there, like look at that, um, you know, you look at some of these club programs and say, I, I can't think of the acronym. What are they? A-C-H-A? Yes. Uh, um, is that it? Uh, yeah. uh, those programs are really good hockey too. You know what I mean? Like I saw a highlight of a kid from the University of North Carolina the other day scoring an unbelievable goal. I, I saw highlights of, of you know, University of Georgia playing uh, they're building a new rank like Jersey. Like they, they get treated like they're, you know, on the yeah. Georgia football team. They get like uh, 3000 fans a game. Yeah. And like, that's a pretty cool option too. And, and uh, like, if, if it was me, I'd be throwing applications into all those type of schools. You know what I mean? Like this kid could obviously go down there and play. Um, but that's a great option. There's a bunch of different schools too, that are in that ACHA and it's a, uh, you know, it's a fun way to continue playing. And, you know, at that point, maybe you, you, you know, your, your, your mindset on, Hey, I'm going to play division three hockey. Like you, those kind of dreams of the NHL may be gone, but like you can still continue your hockey career and have an absolute blast doing it. Absolutely. That's great advice. I mean, I, you know, you look at Arizona state there, it had a top club club team and they went D one, but it was, you know, like Penn State, you know, same thing. Mm-hmm. It was like you get all these big schools looking at hockey as a, another kind of path to, you know, attract Getting more kids in the door. Yeah, attract more, um, more kids. And you never know if you show up to a, you know, a you know, SEC school and all of a sudden they, they turn D1 and you're in the mix. That'd be amazing. No, it'd be <laughs> unbelievable. I'm like, dude, do I get like, do I get a fifth year? Yeah. Dude, oh, and dude, can we that, dude, can we do a COVID? Yeah, like I'll I'll start hitting the peloton every day. Yeah, that uh, transfer portal. Just to touch on that, that's I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I thought it was originally just after that COVID year, but it's uh, it's staying. And it, it was like hockey was the last sport to you know adopt it. And I just think that it, it doesn't make sense. You know, you commit to a you know a player, whether you're the team or the player commits. To being there and if you don't like how it's going you can just enter the transfer portal it's, it just shows you know the lack of um you know kind of commitment to your decisions and uh the it, only it, thing that i think is kind of cool about it is like a kid that's potentially b- playing division three and you know getting that fifth year and going to a division one school yeah, like, but they oh the, the fifth year COVID that's different than the that's transfer. The, oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, I know, but that that is that is really cool. Like you that's know, cool. Yeah, 
but um you know just being able to transfer without any penalty you know you make your decision to go and commit to a place and then if you're not happy with your situation maybe you stick it out and work through it and then you're rewarded or you know now you can just be like yeah i'm not happy i'm just gonna you know test the market yeah well, and with, with, I mean, former guest and, and you know, rest in peace, Josh Chiaco, he talked about that mm-hmm. when, when he came on and talked about, you know, having to manage all these kids and everybody on the roster. And then obviously if if they caught wind that a kid was thinking about entering the transfer portal, it was like, see you later. Yeah. So, like, you better know those kids that are thinking about leaving, like, they better know that they're getting going to get kind of picked up on waivers because if they don't, that team's going to turn their back on them pretty quickly. Yeah, it makes it an awkward situation, and um, I just think it negatively affects, you know, th- this player, you know, that we just talked about in the questions. Future, when those kids, you know, when teams aren't sure if they're going to be bringing in players or that fifth year. So there's a lot to kind of digest there, and, um, you know, it, it just kind of muddies the waters, in my opinion. No, it definitely does. Uh, I heard of a parent saying they'd rather their player sit on the bench of a winning team than be a starter on a losing team. Uh, question mark emoji guy like scratching his face. Your thoughts? <laughs> uh, I mean, I just I don't see the benefit of you know riding the bench. I mean, if you're in the mix and you're playing, but you're not playing a ton, that's one thing but when the game's on the line and you know you're, you're rooting on your other teammates on that's it, it this is kind of like a, a very wide uh kind of range but i would like to a losing team like I, how do you define that like 500 or below mm-hmm. i don't mind a player you know playing on those teams because you're defending against top players you're defending against top teams and you're beating like a lower team. If you're in the basement, it's very difficult, you know, at times, uh, even if you're playing. But it depends on the age, you know. You just got to – you, you want to get your reps, you know. I just – I don't think there's – you can sit on the bench, you know, when you get to the higher levels and support your team, you know. Right. Um, yeah. I just, I just think you want to get your touches and – you know that in between five hundred ish team, that's you know that's still a lot of value there. Yeah, I mean, I think any team that's sitting anybody on the bench, even if it's a winning team, like especially at the younger age groups, is ridiculous. Um, you know, so like if the kid doesn't belong there, he shouldn't be on the team anyway. So, but like sitting on the bench is is ridiculous. Guys that are rolling out power play penalty kill units and stuff like that consistently at mites and squares. And again, we don't know the age of this. Um, is tough, but there's something to be said for obviously really good practices, right? And and you know getting good competition in practice. But I I still think you want to be right in the mix. You want to be starting. You want to be playing. I mean, this is more of like a basketball term. Yeah, um, are you a starter? I was gonna. Yeah, say. like this is more of a, a you know. I can tell this this person Football. doesn't have a ton of uh, hockey experience because there's no like we start a different line every game. You know what I mean? Like mm. every, every every game a different and, – and we roll and everybody plays, you know. So, like it's not like hoop. I mean, I've gone – I watch my niece and nephew play basketball and like the starters are out there the whole – you know, a, a lot. Like the, there's, there's kids that are riding the pine that are the, you know, whatever, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth man off the bench. Like those kids aren't getting out there even close to – it doesn't even compare to hockey. It's, it's yeah. night and day, night right. and day. 
Uh, Mots, let's talk about pro stock hockey. And then uh, if you want to wrap up with cross-country mortgage, I think that puts a bow tie on it. So pro stock hockey, give your kid the pro experience with free name personalization, free tape, same-day shipping, and friendly customer service with all kids' sticks and gloves. You saw the name personalization on my rink shrinks mitts that I wore for the Winter Classic. Money. Uh, a 30-day warranty is also included with all kids' sticks. The world's largest inventory of pro stock sticks and gear is now for the kids as well with a great selection of youth equipment. Visit ProStockHockey.com today and use the code BYMOTS for 20% off your kids' gear order. Yeah, my my daughter Brooke had uh, her pro stock hockey gloves on, motto right, right there stenciled on them, so make sure you check out... Uh, their website, ProStockHockey.com, you use BY Mots. Get your kids going, styling. Yeah. That mailbag was also brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage. We're in a purchase market right now. Devo and the team at Cross Country Mortgage may have options and strategies to provide buyers with lower payments. It's a great time to buy a home, especially if you're renting. So it's time to give Devo a call and chat with him about why ownership, home ownership makes sense for you. Again, it's a purchase market and a great time to buy. Give him a follow on Instagram at Chris Devon CCM for more information. Visit ChrisDevon.com where you can schedule a time for a call with him. Cross Country Mortgage LLC NMLS 47305. Yeah, Devo and his team can take care of you. Make sure you check him out. He's one of the best and he'll uh, direct you in the right, uh, put you in the right direction for this purchase market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Devo is always great to catch up with him at the, at the rink. Uh, once again, no voicemails this week, so we got to fill that up for the next time around. 347-6-SHRINK. Again, 347-674-7465. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Obviously, this is a great episode. I'll have more to report when I'm down in FLA. Maybe I'll do a couple, uh, you know, BY's moments from uh, from Keith's pool with no shirt on, show everybody the bod. And uh, no. Thanks to everybody. Like I said, make sure you're uh, liking, subscribing, following. We appreciate all the feedback that we're getting on uh, on social media. So keep that coming. Yeah, enjoy your time. Travel safe, my man, and good luck. All right, time to cue the rink shrink shuffle, Jersey. <laughs> <laughs>